0: Hello and welcome back to Talking Dogs with Graham Hall. I'm the Graham Hall in the title there, but I also go by the dog father. And that's because I've got well over a decade's worth of experience training dogs. Although actually, it'd probably be more accurate for me to say I train people in how to best train their dogs. Well, that's what I do one-to-one. On television's dogs behaving very badly, but also right here on this podcast. Today we've got something a little bit different for you, and I reckon I'm going to learn just as much new stuff as you are. As you well know, I'm completely fascinated by dog training, and a big part of that is because what we, there's this amazing sort of strong relationship, isn't there, between dog and owner. You know, your dog's got to trust that you're doing the right thing by them, and if he doesn't, uh, or she doesn't, then often that's when the problems start. But what happens when you have to have absolute faith in your dog to guide you through life? Now, someone who knows exactly how it feels to have an incredibly deep bond with a dog is Amit Patel, perhaps more famously known as Blind Dad on Twitter. Amit, hi. Hi, Graham. Now, I've been doing a couple of these um, uh, celebrity special episodes, but I've got to say, in your case, I'm not sure who's more famous, whether it's you or a certain Labrador called Kika.
1: It's it's definitely the uh, the blonde Labrador, definitely.
0: <laughs> so, how did all this start for you? Tell, tell us a little bit about you know your story, uh, Amis, because not everybody will will know your background.
1: Yeah, so I haven't always been blind. I lost my sight uh, about eight years ago now, overnight, due to a hemorrhage in the back of my eyes. And before that, I was a trauma doctor, worked around the world. Uh, I had a really exciting job, Love what I did. So kind of woke up every morning, kind of a big grin on my face because I know I'm doing something good. And never really thought about sight loss. I had, I well, I still have a condition called keratoconus, which is basically where the corneas in your eyes kind of, they protrude out slightly. And usually it's fixed by wearing glass lenses or having corneal transplants. But for whatever reason, my body kept rejecting the donors. So I, I went through years and years of having corneal transplants. Even went out to America to have my corneas grown using stem cell uh, surgery and I had them transplanted. Everything was fantastic. And in that, since having the last transplant, I fell in love, got married. I was kind of in that high where, you know, we're thinking about where we want to live, where we, where we want to start a family. And then suddenly overnight, I, I'd lost my sight.
0: And with that, a lot of pain. Because I read you I should. I should admit, I've read your book. Um, your, your book is Kika and Me, and about Kika. And there's a big part of that that explains all this. And you went through some terrible pain. I mean, you must have been so low at that point.
1: Yeah, I guess. You know, work for me defined who I was, and obviously, losing my sight wasn't just just my sight that I lost that night. It was it was very much everything about me. And I, I guess for me, because it happened so suddenly, I didn't have time to prepare for it. I didn't have time to kind of take those mental snapshots of of my family members and what they looked like. It just kind of went dark. So it took me a while, it took, me, it took me a while to, to kind of get used to this fact that this is what my life is going to be like. But with, with the help and support of my family and friends and some amazing charities, I kind of started getting back on my feet. And I think, in a way, I, I always need a goal. I need something to focus on. I need I need something to kind of work towards. And for me, it was, it was my independence, my confidence. You know, learning to smile again because the smile I had on my face was very much a fake smile, you know, for everybody around me because how I was feeling inside was completely the opposite. So with just that helping and that support, that, that nurturing support around me, it kind of just got me back to where I was. But even at that time, I never really thought about a guide dog it never even crossed my mind to to even go down the guide dog route it just kind of kind of happened
0: that's funny isn't it uh, and I guess you you weren't a dog guy before did you did you have pet dogs or not
1: I love dogs, but purely because of work, you know, it, my work wasn't a nine to five, so there was no way I could really look after a dog. But we had friends and families who had dogs and, you know, I love that. I've I never had that, never felt that bond between a dog and a dog's owner. I've ne- I never really thought how strong that could be. I, you know, it, you kind of think it's a pet, but you never really know until you're there
0: yeah that, that's fascinating and reading the book i mean you, you explain about how you you started to use what one of those i don't know the proper word but the starter white cane you know, the one with the bobble on the end thing
1: yes the long white cane yeah
0: and, and then you moved on but it, and we get a real feel of how difficult that is but what was the transformation really when you went to get a guide dog i mean how did that come about
1: yeah, so it was um, when you lose your sight, or you're losing your sight, and you learn to use a long white cane. That training doesn't happen overnight. It's it's a process that could take up to three, maybe six months, depending on where you live and how much training you have. So every time I was having my white cane training, I was also getting braille lessons at the same time, and I was kind of building my confidence up, thinking that you know I can learn to live the, you know as as a visually impaired person in this sighted world. And it was my mobility instructor, the lady teaching me to use a white cane. She suggested maybe a guide dog is what you need, you know, just to give you that little bit more confidence. But at the time when that conversation happened, I could barely look after myself. And my response was, well, you know, if I could, I could barely look after myself, let alone have a dog in my life. But i was still in two minds because with a white cane, I can walk around, I can tap things. And if I make a mistake, it's all down to me. You know, It's, it's I've got nobody else to blame but myself. Having a dog In the back of my mind, I thought, well, having a dog, you're walking down the street and then the dog decides it doesn't want to work or it stops for some, for whatever reason, or it, or it sees a squirrel or or a ball (laughs) and it starts chasing it. What do I do? And these were the, the things that was kind of in my head thinking, you know, I've never really seen it, but you kind of, you know, these are dogs, you know, how can they really be? this well-trained you know and work every time you put that harness on and that was my my doubt um it was only talking to to guide dogs and actually getting to know guide dog owners talking to the to the mobility team in London who trained the dogs it was only after that that I actually thought well you know these dogs are amazing and they are life-changing and they will give me my confidence and my independence back because for me it was that goal of just being a person in this, you know, being being part of society, being part of the community, and I'm completely blind, so I don't see anything at all. It was being reliant on a dog and not having a cane, and and that was my biggest fear. But then also the guide dog process, kind of learning more about it, because guide dogs, what they do, they come and assess you. They come and look at where you live, how fast you walk, how confident you are with a white cane, because you still need to be independent. You can't just go from losing your sight to having a dog. You still need to know where you're going, because obviously, the dogs don't come with a built-in sat-nav, like many people think.
0: So how does Kiko you know you're off to Tesco's? How does that work?
1: <laughs> so every time, every, this is, well, the thing. The lovely thing is that the more you do a journey, you kind. It's all about praise. You know these dogs do it for for the love of working. Because if he, if they don't want to work, they don't work. And then you get guide dogs who who go through training and then kind of come out the other end, and they decide they don't want to work a month later, and um, they're retired. So you can't make them work if they don't want to. But the more the guide dog gets to know me, you know, it gets to know the, the owner, the more it knows its familiar roots. And then it's just, you know, Kiko, let's let's do the school run. Well, we don't even have to say that anymore. You know, when, when my son gets his... Sh- gets his backpack ready, it, she knows we're going to do the score run.
0: Yeah, of course. So I suppose like like any pet dog, you know, you get the, the lead out. It's that certain time of day, you know, the little lad puts his shoes on and the dog's like, oh, I know, I know where we're going. Yeah, so it's like a supercharged version of that, really.
1: Absolutely. Every, every time she knows we're going to go out, she will go for the kitchen door and she will go out ready to spend. That way, it's, it's just a routine. She, she does it. Also. Even if she doesn't need to go, she still walks out into the garden and walks around and then comes back again. So she, she's, she's, she's kind of telling me that she's ready to go now and, and she wants to work. But it's, it's, it's absolutely incredible.
0: And just on that, uh, Amit, so so when they go to the top, is it, is it right that they train guide dogs to go in a particular place every time so it's easy for you to clean up after her? Is that right?
1: Yeah, so Kika's never, ever spent on the grass in our garden at all. She's never done that. So, um, she has a little um, little area just on the side of the garden that she goes and does her business, and it's away from where the kids play, and so it's, it's no, no problem at all. But she, what, what she does is she'll go, do her business, and walk out again. But usually what I do is I go in with her, Um, into into the the little area we have and obviously the way she squats tells me you know i can feel her back and i I know she's if she's what she's doing and then she will just take a couple of steps forward and i'll just get the the poo bag and just pick it up and it's you do it without even thinking about it now which which is crazy but yeah it's 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 amazing they 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 even even the feed when you're feeding the dogs in the morning or in the evening you put the food out in the bowl and they will sit there um they won't go for it until you blow the whistle three times and that's their command to, to eat, and that's a great thing as well so when you're in the park you blow the whistle three times they think there's food ah, so they come running
0: back yeah. so so it's all very structured. see i think there's lessons here that we that we can all learn so it's, it's things like okay um then if that whistle is peeped three times and it's it's very specific isn't it that yeah, it is. that means food and why would you not use that for recall so the the lesson here i think for the rest of us is um well if you've if you've got a command for something whether that's a whistleblower or it's your voice well guess what surprise surprise keep it consistent yeah. So I'm, I'm interested how they matched you to her because you're a young guy. You sound pretty active. So uh, how come you ended up with Kika? Why Kika?
1: It was, it was quite funny. So obviously, when I started kind of getting back on my feet again, I started volunteering for a lot of charities because we came across a lot of issues from, from losing my sight to getting the help and the support we needed. So I thought, well, medical background, you know, it's lived experience. So working with charities to make things better and working with local authorities to make things better for visually impaired people was kind of what I was focused on. And when I, when I went through the process of, of being matched to a dog, it was, it was very much where I lived, where I worked, uh, how fast I walked, how confident, all of this was put into a, I guess, a database. And as, as these dogs come out of the system, they're all assessed to see what their ability is and then they're matched to that right person. So I was told that, um, I, I, got the phone call saying, "Emmett, we you know, you're, you're a perfect match for a guide dog. But at the moment we're looking at about maybe a two to maybe a three year waiting time. And I thought to myself, well, that's, that's good for me because it means that I can get my head around having a dog. And at this time we actually, so when I lost my sight, we were living in Guildford in Surrey and my wife was working in central London so we made that big decision to move into central London so we sold up and for that year I was kind of getting used to living where you know living in a new location learning to, to kind of navigate with my white cane and when well, we were on the guide dog list over a cup of coffee actually in the morning I said to my wife I said we should sell this apartment and buy a house with a garden because when we get a dog you know the dog needs a garden you know you can't live in a concrete jungle and, and she was like very much like well You've just got used, you know, you can make it home by yourself now. Do you really want to move? Um, but we, we put the flat on the market and within a couple of weeks, we got that phone call saying it's sold. And on the same wow. week, we actually got phone calls to say, we think we've matched you to a dog, but she's very naughty. She's very stubborn and she will either like you or she won't. There's no gray area. So they brought Kiki around a week later and she kind of walked around the flat, plonked herself down in the sunniest part in the, in the living room and fell asleep. And I was told, well, she's not making for the door, which is a good thing. Yes. For 20 minutes, I'm thinking, well, is this dog ever going to wake up? You know, is she going to make that sign to say <laughs> she likes me or not? So I'm, I'm, tr- I'm trying to find her with my feet and just kind of give her a little bit of a nudge to say, wake up. Um, and when she, when she did, you know, she, she, she came over, had a bit of a, a cuddle and, and they said, well, this seems to be working. So we put a harness on, we literally put a harness on her and we took a walk along the docks. And, and at the time the docks were full of Canadian geese um, and their babies. So really loud Talk about
0: distractions. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: But she was absolutely fantastic. We walked for about 10 minutes and then the heavens opened and then she still kept walking. She slowed her pace down. We got to a bench. We, we sat down for about a minute and then we walked all the way back and the instructor said, well, we think this works we're going to put you and Kika in a hotel for 10 days. So that way it's a new environment for myself, a new environment for Kika, and we both have to then work together.
0: And and I rem- I, I mean, first thing to say, is I'm listening to you now, and, and I'm like, I mean, you are a force of nature. you moved <laughs> to central London, having become blind, which in itself is quite something. And yeah, we need to sell up. And and yeah, the, the problem they had probably matching you to a dog is they couldn't find one fast enough. So... Um, <laughs> I think we were one of the fastest
1: ever matches in Guide Dog, uh, under really? six weeks. Yeah. Which uh, well, was insane. I, I
0: think, yeah, it's just like, well, we've never met a, a VIP that's a visually impaired person, isn't it? And we've never met a visually impaired person like this. And we, we, we rarely get a dog like that. These two are made for each other. <laughs> I remember reading the book and you're in the hotel and something happened, didn't it?
1: Yeah. So even in the hotel, first couple of nights. So it's the first time I've really... Was with Kika, and you know, we we we're in a hotel room. She's sleeping in the room. Um, still a new sensation, you know. There's there's a, there's, a, there's another creature in that in the kind of room, and I and I'm not on my own. Even during the first couple of days of training, I wasn't confident enough to kind of let everything go and let Kika guide me. Even though she she's trained to do what she does, I was still very much well. Can she really you know stop me from walking down the stairs? Or when we approach this, is she's going to carry on walking and kind of? Take me with her. My instructor kept telling me, Amit, come on, you have to you have to trust Kika. And I just I just wasn't there. I just for myself I wasn't there. So it was the third night I woke up, third morning I woke up and I've got my hands trailing the, the wall in the hotel room to try and find the bathroom. I get to the bathroom and Kika's actually blocking the door. And she was she was 18 months old at the time, so still fairly small. And I'm asking her to move out of the way. This is about five o'clock in the morning or so. I'm asking her to move out of the way. She's not having any of it. I try for about 15-20 minutes. Again, she wasn't moving. I called my instructor, who hated the fact that I called her up so early. And she's also in the hotel. And I'm like, I'm, I'm like "Can you come and get kick her out of the way?" She's like, "No, you're bigger than her. Just lift her up the way and then just move her." And I'm like, "Okay." And I wasn't quite sure, you know, how how I should do that. But eventually, she did move out of the way. And I opened the bathroom door, and the whole bathroom was actually flooded. And what had happened is a pipe had actually burst overnight. And it was one of these old bathrooms where everything was kind of marble. Um, there was nothing to hold on to as you walk in or anything. So I would have just slipped. That was the turning point. That's when I thought, actually, this dog barely knows me, but she's already looking out for my well-being. <laughs> From that yeah. morning, I kind of just let go of all my fears and I let Kika do what she does. And I think that was the point where even Kika thought, well, actually, he's not resisting. He's not holding back. He's not trying to pull me back. I'm going to do what I do. And even when I think about the things she does now, you know, she, she navigates the whole world for me. She literally takes me on an aeroplane, takes me to New York, jumps on a Eurostar, and takes me to Berlin or, or, or Brussels, or wherever it is we, we we go and work at. But it's always that moment that's always in the back of my head thinking, you know, two days in and she's already looking out for me. And how much has she done since then?
0: Bless her. You couldn't train a dog for that particular circumstance where there's a been in pipe in a bathroom. They've just got to use their own initiative, haven't they? It's just amazing. What a wonderful moment that was.
1: I mean, I think, I, I think that's what still astounds me. Every wiggle she has, every, every movement she does when she's in harness always means something. And for, for about a year, it, it, it took me, I think it took me over a year to actually realize just, just what these little movements kind of mean. Cause obviously not being able to see it in front of me. I, I just assume that she's stopping or she's got an itch or she does. Th- but all these little movements, it's, it's when my wife is with me and she says, right. You know, and I'll say to my wife, you know, oh, Kika's just done this little bomb wiggle. Then she'll say, oh, it's because the, the path in front of you is blocked and she's just figuring out whether to go left or right. The lovely thing is Kika kind of paints a picture in my head because being sighted before, I know what things look like. I don't even know what my house looks like. I don't know what my road looks like but in my head, it looks like the road I grew up in. And it's a happy place. Everywhere I go, I make it into my happy place. You know, the train station is the Guildford train station that I'm very familiar with. Even though my train station only has two platforms here, it's in my head. So every time Kika does a, a, a movement, um, she kind of walks in a certain way, I picture myself at that particular station and, and that's how we're navigating. So it, it's lovely that all these kind of things just kind of help me smile as well. You know, it kind of gives me that confidence
0: it's a lovely thing and uh, it's really fascinating listening to you talk about those the the little body language signals which you can pick up, you can kind of feel it through the harness, or sometimes you just kind of know your dogs, I suppose you hear it, don't you, as well, and, and I'm always sort of saying to people that, you know, body language is, is a big part of it, and most of us can see our dogs, of course, a, that's a, one heck of a benefit, but all of these little things mean something, I, I was looking at your Twitter feed the other day, because well, of course there are two out there, there's, there's yours remind me, I, mean, I think it's blind dad underscore UK, is that right?
1: That's it, yeah, and there's uh, Kika Guide Dogs, which is uh, Kika underscore Guide
0: dog. It's fascinating stuff looking at those um, tweets. I, I'm, I go down a bit of a rabbit hole when I when I, when I get on your <laughs> Twitter. So what's he been up to now, you know? Um, and a couple of things that sprung out was one was um, you're about to cross the road. And as you quite rightly say in your tweet, you'd think it's a pretty simple system. You know, the light goes red, the traffic stops, the pedestrians walk across the road. But there's always one. So you start off into the road. She leads you into the road, quite rightly, because it's, it's go for the pedestrians. And a cyclist decides he's going to or she's gonna jump the red uh, and off they fly in front and she stops you dead and th- the body language is really interesting can you she just she doesn't look panicked at all it's very calm but very directive you know it's very like whoa and then she uh, i can see her paw lift slightly. she sort of goes uh yeah no it's okay to carry on
1: but the difference on that particular occasion is i had my two-year-old daughter in my other arm I had Kika's lead and harness in my left hand, and I had my two-year-old daughter who I took to work with me that day in my other arm. So it's amazing how Kika's never been trained to walk or guide with children or anything at all. And it's that development that, you know, when she came to us, it was just, just me. She was guiding. And then suddenly, you know, a little boy arrived, and then a few years later, another a, a girl arrived. But it's being able to to slow her pace down because we walk pretty far. She's a very, very, very confident dog. And for Kika, the reason she was matched to me, one of the most particular reasons was that she doesn't like routine. She likes the hustle and the bustle. She doesn't like to sit around all day. She likes to be working. That's that's what Kika is. She gets very very bored when she sits sits and kind of relaxes. So you give her a peak time train station and she's loving it. her tail is waving back and forth it's kind of hitting my leg as we're, as we're walking and and i know she's loving us but when, we, when i've got the children with me she slows her pace right down she takes longer to do something and i don't have to tell her this she just does it and then if my daughter's walking with us it's even slower
0: it's instinctive isn't it and and i was Another one I was I was looking at a little video you're doing, and I'm like, yeah, she's she's this, there's quite a mothering instinct there, a sort of caring, <laughs> nurturing thing. You know? She's like your mum and everybody else. So, and and the one I'm thinking of was you started your tweet by saying something like, we you know we're in the park and there are clearly no obstructions around, so Dad can have a bit of a run. And I'm like, really, wow. When we can see on the video that you're sort of the, the camera's pointing backwards as she runs after you, yeah. So you're running. I oh, fair play to you. It's really interesting to describe the body language I'll tell you what I can see she's running and she, the part of that's like yeah this is good it's happy yeah, yeah it's good 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 but it, it's like a parent running after a toddler it's like <laughs> you're gonna fall over if you're not careful so it's like it's good it's good fun but I'm just there to catch her. and goodness knows what Kika's thinking how she's gonna catch you? but you can see from her tail and her, the way her ears are it's like yeah it's good but I'm concentrating because in a minute I might have to do something I do you know want. what I,
1: to be honest with you I, I did cut the camp I did cut the video on on, on Twitter just before I did fall over <laughs> and, and Kika was on top of me you know I want tickles you're falling over now this is just fun but oh. this is this is why you know, Kika <laughs> isn't just just a pet. She's not a, a service dog. She's not a guide dog. She is part of the family. Her passport says Kika Patel. You know, I'm very lucky. I'm very lucky that I can have one of my best friends with me everywhere I go. You know, my son always says to me, oh, daddy, why isn't there more dogs in this restaurant? Or daddy, why isn't there any other dogs in this cabin in the aeroplane you know, while we're going on holiday? Because it's normal for him. That's how he's grown up. But he knows as soon as the harness is on, she's working and, you know, she's in work mode. But the, the moment the harness is off, she's Kika. You know, she's she's she does what she wants, when she wants. And she will control the kids. She will keep them in check better than what me
0: and my wife can. Yeah, you see it's that mother thing, isn't it? She's got yeah. it. Um, yeah. and it's interesting was because when you said, you know, she's quite stubborn, quite you <laughs> know, she she's got her own idea whether she likes you or not, and that's the sort of matriarch thing, you know. It's like, you know, I was born to do this.
1: She will cross a road if she if we're walking down the road and she sees someone she doesn't like, someone who, who probably gives her too much fuss or someone she just doesn't like the look of, she will make me cross the road. <laughs> and, the, and Mrs. Kiki, she will make me cross and I will just assume it's because there's an obstacle or there's road works or there's something and it was only when I was out with my wife one day and my wife like, why is Kika wanting to cross the road? And I said, I don't know. She does this all the time. And she's like, oh, that, that, that guy coming along, you know, is, is literally making a beeline for Kika. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah.
0: She's like, <laughs> I don't think so.
1: Even, so when we, when we got Kika, it, it just happened that we were in that process of moving from apartment to house. And she actually came house hunting with us. But when we, when we moved in, we took a walk and Kika kind of made a beeline towards kind of the side of a shop. About five minutes into the walk i'm like Seema, is is kika munching on something my wife's like no no there's nothing there and i'm like okay so we keep walking another five minutes i'm like no i'm sure kika's munching. i can hear some munching and sima kind of bends down looks at kika kika looks back at sima and kika's like big big brown eyes Seema's like looking no there's nothing there another five minutes goes i'm like no there's something there something's making that noise so i i bend down and i kind of open her mouth and a whole stale donut falls out and she obviously knows that she's not allowed to munch it but she has to try and suck the jam oh my and this this is when i this is when i first had my experience of what labradors are really like so regardless of are in, in harness or not yeah a labrador is always going to be a labrador but the lovely thing is you kind of have to harness that you know it's all yeah. about the food it's all about the the praise at the end you know and little treats here and there it's absolutely fine um but yeah this 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 really a kind of you know, excuse the pump, but open my eyes to, to what yeah. Kika could be really, you know, what she's really like.
0: The, the, the thing I love about that story is that she'd actually guided you across her and she, she got me to go this way, dad. <laughs> yeah. And
1: she's with, and, she, and she's with my wife as well. So yeah. she had no shame in, in, in doing it. And, and she's done it. And, 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 and the, and the lovely thing is it's like, it's like a crane or a scoop kind of scooping it up this really kind of dramatic kind of thing doing it but without even me knowing about it or even even my wife no no nothing it's like walk past the donut like pick it up with my mouth and then just keep walking yeah if
0: you could whistle that would have been it wouldn't it <laughs> 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 got it <laughs> you'll oh. never know oh dear i, I just love that story because they they are i mean it sounds crazy that they're only human because of course they're not human but but you get the point they are but you know
1: what you if you're if you're walking past the fish and chip shop you're walking uh-huh. past any fast food and you, obviously i can smell sort of it so so i'm kind of prepared for kika to guide me a little bit closer to the yeah. doors because there's a chip on the floor you know if she gets the odd chip in there it, it makes her happy that's absolutely fine
0: So you were uh, a trauma doctor, an A&E doctor, one of the guys who once um, uh, saw my hand and went, you're off to theatre, you're not going home tonight. So after a dog had, had a go at it. Of course, you can't do that anymore. But what you do now, Amis, is you're a campaigner on disability issues. Tell me a bit about that.
1: Obviously, with lots of issues that we faced, kind of getting help and the support. and. You know, I'm a I'm a confident guy. I, I, I will speak up if there's something, you know, that's not, that's not right. But through my sight loss journey, I've met so many people who don't have the confidence or who are still waiting for services or who don't have the information that they need to kind of get them back on their feet again. They don't know where to get the information. They don't know where to get the help from. So on the back of that, I started working with charities, organizations, the local authorities to try and make their services better and accessible. And then it became, right, I need a job volunteering and stuff is all well and good but i I need to pay the mortgage so i started applying for jobs and i I, I put over i put over 100 applications in but the moment you put down visually impaired they kind of get put to one side and i never got a call back for any of them and a lot of them i was overqualified for and I, i always wondered why i never got called back and then i did i did 10 applications again but this time i didn't put down visually impaired and within within a week i got called back for all 10. Uh, for the same, same job, I applied as a, as a visually impaired person. So I thought, well, there's, there's obvious an issue here. So I work with a lot of companies to try and get disabled people back into the workplace. And amazingly, this has kind of taken me around the world. You know, I, I, a couple of years ago, I had a job out in New York. We just had our second child. And I said, I said, Do you know what? See, Mom, I'm, I'm going to take the two year old out with me. My wife's like, Yeah, do it. You know, even getting onto the plane every couple of hours, the airline staff would take Kika around for a walk around the plane. Um, and she would do the whole meet and greet of every single passenger, which meant, which meant when we got off the plane, we were the, the last one out of security because everybody wanted to say bye to her, which was fine. But you know what? It's for me, it just meant that I can do this. You know, having, having a disability hasn't stopped me from being a father, having a job, you know, and sometimes I think. It's, it's society that reminds me I'm blind. You know, I can live an ordinary life, but it's, it's people's fear of what disability is and how someone can act or how, how you should interact with. And you take all of that away, I become like everybody
0: else. Well, let's talk about that because when when we first got talking, it was about a year ago and I was about to go on a, a radio interview and I knew that they were going to ask me about how guide dogs cope with these what were then the new two-metre rule and how did they understand. I'm like, you're asking the wrong person. <laughs> but, um, so I thought, I, I, I need to talk to somebody who really knows and you were the guy. <laughs> and the answer to that one, uh, as, as you explained to me, is that a guide dog will just go for the middle of the door in that supermarket. So, of course, they don't understand the new two-metre rules or one or whatever it happens to be at any point so it it just falls to the rest of us to give them a bit of room and I know a lot of your work is sort of explaining to people how we can best help the other day I was just where I live um, there's a a very narrow road alongside a one-way street and there's a lady coming down with one of those long canes you know the one with the, the round thing on the end so I'm thinking from having read your book oh she's probably quite new to this so and she looked very tentative, you know. And I'm walking up towards her. And I remember you saying, just just talk to people. Just open your mouth, you know. So all I did was I said, oh, you carry on, darling. I'm walking out onto the road for you, you know. And then you know, don't you? Because I think there's this almost... Maybe it's a British thing. We don't want to offend anybody and say the wrong thing. So we end up saying nothing to blind people, which is the worst thing, isn't it?
1: It is. I, I, I get that all the time. Yeah, you know, Even, even now I, I can get to my train station and someone will have that courage just to come over and say hello. And then in the conversation, I'll say, oh, I've, I've seen you for a couple of years, you know, but I'm never sure how to approach or if I should approach. Or To be honest with you, the one thing I never prepared myself for when I lost my sight is just how lonely it is being visually impaired because you rely so much on eye contact or so, you know being able to see someone and kind of putting your hand up and say hi and kind of having a having a conversation as you're walking past them. But if you're visually impaired and you you have no vision whatsoever, you're reliant on others to kind of start that communication or tell you that they're there. Even kind of navigating with a white cane. I came back home every, every day and I kind of thought, well, I haven't spoken to a soul in my journey where normally i if I see someone, I'll say, hi, how are you doing? And just have a little conversation. And it's, and it's, and it's that. It's, it's the loneliness that really, really got me. Um, it's absolutely okay to go over and say hi and introduce yourself. Say hi. You know, are you okay? Do you need an assist? Because imagine being at, being at a busy train station and everybody's kind of, you know, a hustle and bustle all around you. Wouldn't it be great if someone just went up to a visually impaired person and said, are you okay? Can I help you? Can I help you out? Because at this time right now where, you know, things are slowly kind of going back to normal, you know, people are traveling a bit more. The train stations aren't the same layout as they used to be a year ago. You know, you've got one-way systems now, you've got doors that don't open, you've got barriers everywhere. So even going to a station I'm very, very familiar with, the layout's completely different. I don't know whether I should be going in from this door or out or this door. Um, so wouldn't it be great if someone just said, can I give you assistance? Can I help you? And then if that person does say, yes, I would like assistance, ask them, how can I help you? Don't just assume that you need to grab their arm or anything because people <laughs> have and to, th- yeah, and, try, and yeah. this is it, you know. Yeah. And, and for me, I having Kika, if I'm talking to someone, I would just say to Kika, follow. And Kika will automatically just think, okay, I'll follow the person you've just spoken to last. And as, as that person walks, Kika will follow. Half the time she wants to overtake them anyway because she thinks <laughs> she knows where she's going. Yeah. Um, and this is this is this is just Kika, I and mean, then you know you hear the voice of over to your right and say a little bit to your right, and you're like
0: Kika, come on! I think we're getting a good feeling for what Kika's like, aren't we? <laughs> oh, Kika, Kika, Kika's a great, oh, she, she keeps me on my toes. This one. So the golden rule is just just yeah, I, I offer assistance. um... Uh, if if the person says yeah that'd be great then it's it's right okay how's the best way I can help you and if they don't want to help don't be offended and don't let it put you off for the next time and that, that's all great just to to round things off Emmett I mean, there's there's something really special about the bond between a person and a dog whether you're visually impaired or not I think. I think it's even more special, I guess, when that's a guide dog and, and you have to trust them leading you around. But I've got a question for you and, and it's it's a sort of silly question, but I'm gonna ask it anyway. If I said to you, right, look, instead of a dog, right, you don't need a dog. What you need is a guide human, right? We've got a trained human, right, who could guide you around instead of a dog. You don't need kicker anymore, you need a guide human. What would you say?
1: I say no way, because they can talk back. <laughs> I, if if you ever see me out and about, you you would think I'm I'm going I'm either talking to myself on a Bluetooth or just just completely insane. <laughs> I will talk to Kika, like she understands every single word I say, and and and, and you could probably tell I, I love to talk. I, I'm I'm a chatter, you know, and I will talk to her like she's just just part of the family. We'll have conversations, and in my head, I've got her answers. I know what she's going to reply back with, and I I have a chuckle to myself. But I think my wife likes that. She, you know, she likes the fact that I'm out all day and I'm talking to Kika. That way, when I come home, I'm a little bit more quiet. <laughs> Um, Yeah, but yeah, I think it's it's that whole thing. It's a do you know what? It's a it's a magical bond. I wherever I go, she's there. You know, and and I think of Kika as I think of you know my kids. You know, has she been working too hard? Does you know does she need a day off? I, I will send her away to my parents or my brother, and they will take her away on holiday just for a week or two weeks, so she doesn't have to see the harness. Because even going to the park, you know, having having a, having a free run in the park, she will walk to the park in harness, she will play around, but she also knows she's going to have to walk all the way home again, so she can't be that tired. Kika really doesn't have a day off. So, you know, to be able to send her off to my parents and say, right, you know, she she's a lab, do what you want, go to the park, go to the canals, do whatever you want for a whole week, and I do not want her to see a harness. And that just, she comes back and she's like refreshed. And, and I love
0: that. I, I think that's it. I think you hit the nail on there. It, it, there is something special about that bond with the dog. And it's not another human, because, yeah, you're right, they talk humans, which is which is let's be honest it's a bit of a nuisance that yeah. sometimes isn't it? <laughs> listen it's been it's been great talking to you i think if anybody knows about that special bond that humans have with dogs it, it, it's you and and i listen to it's just a joyous thing i listen to you talking about kika I, I know exactly how she is i've never met her of course but what a character you know and and you too so you know i often say to people as i leave them when i've done a bit of training you know keep up the good work but in your case yeah that that really means something so the work you're doing is great and it helps everybody whether you you know you've got a disability or otherwise so keep it up mate
1: thank you so much graham
0: well, thank you so very much for being here with me today uh, on this Talking Dog Celebrity Special. Uh, Amit's book, Kika and Me: How One Extraordinary Guide Dog Changed My World, is out now. I'd highly recommend it. It's a, it's a great read, and you can find him on Twitter as well. At heart, the book really is is about how much we can all achieve, uh, and how kind a place uh, the world can be with the right people and dogs uh, around us. I think it's really interesting listening to Amit talk about Kika and describe that he's actually describing himself. <laughs> they are the same character, aren't they? I really hope you might have learned a bit to take away today. So if your dog is displaying a particular behaviour that you're struggling with, do send me an email or a voice note to talkingdogs at avalonuk.com and I'll do my best to help you in an upcoming episode. Now, I'll be back here next week, so do make sure you join me by subscribing to the Talking Dogs podcast. In the meantime, look after yourself your loved ones, and of course, your dogs. Bye for now.